Hey guys, it's Ben. Thank you for checking out this message. If you want to hear more messages from Catalyst Church, just search Catalyst Church of Carrollton on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We hope this message speaks to you, encourages you. We hope it builds your life. We hope it builds you. We are for you. The best is yet to come. And if you want to give or donate to what God's doing here at Catalyst Church, you can go to IamCatalyst.net slash donate. The best is yet to come. We love you guys. And you're telling me how to handle my teenage 
trouble for the school. It's been a whole blast here, not studying history or business or mathematics because I can't do math, still can't do it, don't want to do it, don't want to do it. I'm going to read me another. I didn't want to make another class, it was awesome. But we didn't get to cook them, we didn't get to cook them, uh, them, them cookies the first week or two of, 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 of home economics. Or that delicious Mexican dip that I can literally remember like it was yesterday. And it wasn't, I was in sixth grade. We didn't get to do that the first week or two. We had to set expectations for the kitchen. This is how you treat a kitchen. This is what you do in a kitchen. This is what a kitchen for. This is what a kitchen is. And by the way, I learned how to wash dishes in the sixth grade. I didn't really do it until I got grown and got married, but I still learned how in the sixth grade. Um, and so, before we get in the kitchen in this series, before we get in the kitchen, and before we start slicing and dicing and slicing and, and mixing sauces and, uh, and, and seeing what you're working with, what you're not working with, the doors you need to put pushing open, the doors you may need to start pushing open, before we really get, before we start diving into the principles and the possibilities, you need to know, I need you to know, no, you need to know this. We didn't get in the kitchen the first week. You need to know, you got the sauce. But you got to believe you got it. If you don't believe you got it, or if it's open to the fact that you got it, everything I teach you will just, it'll just be inspiration that you won't do anything with it. You won't get transformation out of it. Matter of fact, tell your neighbor right now, this quiet audience, say, you got it. You look back at us and say, you do too. You got the thought. Peter said it, Jesus said it, God said it, Ben said it, it's time for you to say it. You've got the sauce. God has given every one of us spiritual gifts. Not just me up here preaching. This is just my craft. God has given you a craft. God has given you a calling. And I want to prove it to you because week one, before you get in the kitchen, you've got to know you've got something worth getting in the kitchen cooking. And that's what I want to do. Lord, right now, by the way, before I pray, I want you, I want you to set this out there. God has more for you and has called you to more than just paying bills and being a parent. See, you have power. 
God saved it. He went to the cross to prove it. Uh, he's got, you got all the value in the world, but you got to believe in God. You got to believe in God. I'm not talking about projecting confidence. I'm not talking about pretending to be confident. Because you can have the biggest personality in the room, and you can project and pretend to be confident as a coping mechanism and a cover for the fact that you got none. You got the sauce, but do you believe that you have the sauce? Do you believe that you have value? Do you believe it? Because if you don't believe it, we can't even get off the ground. That's good for effect on your life. So, I didn't know that I could preach. I'm just going to tell you, I actually was talking to a young, a young girl a few weeks back, uh, getting a point in his life, and I said, Dude, I'm not going to sit up here and say, I can preach. I can. I'm not the best. I'm not the best I'm going to be, but I'm pretty good and I'm growing. This is my, this is my craft. This is my, this is my preacher. This is my football. This is my bed. It's in my wheelhouse. Uh, on a good day, at least. On a bad day, I'm, I, can, I have to apologize and start over. I need to come back next week because I'm going to lose traction unless I'm really messed up. I'm good at it. It's my passion. It always has been. Thank you. 
anti-criticism because it confirms how you already feel about yourself. So when you're winning, it's all good, it's for his glory, but when somebody looks you with something, or, or when somebody tells you you need to work a little bit hard at work, and you're not into that promotion yet, and you're all sensitive, it's because you don't believe in yourself. I know because I'm the same as you. There were years that I could preach and I could throw down, and I, I, I could do it just like I do it now. I'm younger, so I'm not where I am now. Hopefully, I'm not where I'm going to be tomorrow and next year when I preach a message on my 40th birthday and 50th birthday. But here's the thing about that is I have been there with criticism in my life, critical of what God was doing in my life. And the problem wasn't with the criticism, whether it was constructive or destructive. The problem was with my insecurities. I didn't believe that I had the song. I didn't believe that I had what God really had taught me. And you can't live to a level that you really don't believe you have. Later, say every one of you got the song. I'm banging on the God of good reading and let the New Testament church all they believe it. Paul confirmed this uneducated wisdom, but Peter let the New Testament church. But he believed it. He believed it. And so, I remember that, I remember, I can tell you, I can tell you the, the biggest criticism of my preaching and my ministry over the last, uh, uh, I don't know, I can't remember, it's been that many times, I can't remember two years ago. Uh, that job's a, a spectrum thing like me, crazy, and I can never fall out of it. I can tell you, here's here they are, from seminary on, seminary professors, everything. Uh, then, you're predictable. You're predictable. You preach on brokenness too much. Preach on brokenness too much. You're too loud. Your messages are too heavy and too light. That's literally a, 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 seventeen people a year somehow still tell me that, but that hurt me a lot more ten years ago. You're a great teacher. Excuse me. You're a great preacher, but you're not a really good teacher. Grammar thinks that when I tell them that all the time. He says, "You're not a good teacher." See, your intelligence. The thing about it. See, people are going to run off your southern draw when they write off as unintelligent. You got to really get better at your teaching. By the way, I'm in all these. I, I went to seminary in grad school. It took me about nine and a half years. I don't remember. I didn't want to like, say this and be lying, but I'm almost certain that I never once made an A in any preaching class. Biblical, ex- biblical principles of principles of biblical exposition, homiletics, all that stuff. It's preaching class. Well, why do you come with it? I made these. Here's why I made these. Every professor, all of them, they taught me graduate, undergraduate level, taught me this. They said, your faith is pretty good. Some of you have can you imagine what it does to you to make a B and not be able to get an A when you're supposed to be your A game? Try doing that most of your life. Probably going to happen a lot more in But the thing is, I got told, you know, then over the years, you know, then you're, uh, you're this, you're that, you're not this, you're not that. You need to quit walking so much, you need to sit down and do like everybody else at the table, uh, you need to do all that stuff. I can't do that. I would literally drive down crazy sitting down way more than running the stage. And here's the one the last five or ten years that now are five to seven since we started Catalyst going on seven years next year. Uh, is you're just a great as a great preacher. You can reach people that nobody else can reach. You're a great preacher. But you, but you need to work with your leadership because you struggle. You're going to struggle leading people to the finish line. You can get them in and get them started, but you got to work on your organizational skills where you can lead people and serve them well, large people, a large amount of people in long training. And you can be a preacher if you don't have that. I'm going to tell you, over the years, everything I think gave me and then a lot more is tripping. Just keep me up at night. Just keep me up and say, my worst sermons and seasons and most ineffective years of life and ministry was when I didn't believe it because other people not believing in it. 
Was not letting people tell me what I need to put in attention and what I need to work on and what I'm good at and what I'm bad. I have to believe. And you have to believe what God is doing. See, I know that you've been through a lot. I know that you've had a lot of setbacks. I know you've made a lot of mistakes. I saw God like that makes sense. Whether you're old, young, or in between, whether you're, I, I, I get it. But I want you to know that this is the gospel. Structure's true for me, it's true for you. You just gotta believe and receive it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's either true or it's not. And you come to church because you at least want to believe it's true. You came in here and don't even believe today. You at least came here because you want to believe what somebody sitting next to you invited you because they want you to believe what they see in you. What I wouldn't give for my dad to be able to see how much I love him. He wouldn't see himself in what I see. What I still see. Created in Christ to do good works which he planned for you long ago. And you're like, man, I just got been traumatized, and you've been traumatized, you got a lot of but it's still true. That's even more true because the Bible says we're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Your testimony is going to be bigger and better and it's more dramatic because when you get to the top and you see his glory and you start that secret sauce doesn't become a secret sauce, you're going to bless and show people something that you can't argue. You can argue about the existence of God a little longer than when you see somebody who's a true miracle and testament of it. But you got to believe. You got to believe that you got it. You got to believe that you got it. And Paul, I love Paul's church, all the churches he planted. Corinth was the most dysfunctional church that he ever planted. It was by far the most messed up church. Like character defects, I'm going to be honest with you. When you look at all parts of our families, our American church culture, our American culture, Corinth is 100% in my mind uh, the equivalent of the closest thing to eat in a place and really relate to Corinth. You can say that when you say Corinth. You got a dysfunctional family, you got to deal with this holiday season, just say Corinth. Your marriage is just crazy and up and down all over the place. You think you're getting hits and strides and you're not. And you think you're getting somewhere and then you're not. It's like, he loves me, he loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. My kids suck. They're actually pretty good. Maybe they're getting somewhere. Just like, it's like corn. Corn. That was corn. They were up down, all over the place, a little crazy. A lot of crazy depending on the day. Corn. Paul tells corn. I gave you context for corn. Paul says this to corn. He wants them to know you got You got He says it takes many parts to make a single body. Many parts. We are all children of God. We're all children of God. We are one body. We have a purpose, a calling in our life. We have something God has called us to do and be a part of. He says it takes many parts to make a single body. That's why the eyes cannot say they don't need the hands. That's also why the head, the head, excuse me, cannot say it doesn't need the feet. I want to stop right there. Paul's basically saying your gifts don't make you unique or better than anybody. They don't. And I want you to know that because you may you may not feel like your role in this season or in your family or in the next season or if you are older or it's a job, you may feel like you're calling where you are, how much money you make, what you do, the difference you make. You may feel like that 
it is not spectacular compared to culture, church culture, your lives, their lives, or your daily neighbor. But it is significant. Regardless of if, 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 if it's spectacular, it's significant. And I know I want to stop right there because some of you, I got some people you need to know right now. I get it, your kids don't appreciate you, they don't see what you're doing, they don't help you, they don't reciprocate what you have invested in them, and you think they should, you think they should, and it's hurting you, your spouse don't appreciate you, they don't see you, whatever it is in your life, your job don't appreciate you, they don't utilize you, they don't, they don't really, they don't really maximize what you have to offer, and you just feel like you are beneath or behind, and I want you to know, you are significant, tell your neighbor, say you're significant. You better speak it over yourself a lot louder. Say, I am significant. Say, I am important. You better say it loud one more time. Say, I am important. You are a child of God. You are not any more important to me than the President of the United States, than the biggest joker in your company. You are significant. And Paul said to hands, let's not say to the eyes and toenails or whatever it is, you are significant. And you've got to know that before you can move forward and begin to experience it. Continuing on, in fact, Paul builds on this. In fact, he says, we cannot get along without the parts of the body that seem to be the weakest. Woo, that's actually really good. This stuff, things like this, this stuff will change your life when you actually read it for what it is. He's talking about the parts of the body that seem the weakest. The, thing, the, the parts that you feel like that you seem less important, that you really don't matter, that you don't feel like you matter, he says, we take special care to dress up some parts of our body. I want to stop right here. All my perverted is that he, Paul was or not, and I'm about to read, he was not, a, he was not an American stand-up sitcom raised dude. This has nothing to do with private parts of your body covering up. Paul lived 2,000 years ago. We're Americans. We like stand-up comedy. We like dirty jokes and stuff. Paul is talking about something so much deeper in this illustration. I want you to know that so you don't, so you don't like go sideways on me and get mad. Because I know it's not even talking about saying it. Just I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to hear this. Tell somebody say, I'm ready. We take special care to dress up some parts of our body. We are modest about our personal parts. It's an American. I'm not telling you. This is the stuff that is different. But we don't have to be modest about other parts. God put our bodies together in such a way that even the parts that seem the least important are valuable. He says in other translations, we actually honor less the parts of the body that are more honorable. He's not talking about private parts. He's talking about internal organs. Okay? He's talking about the parts of the body that you don't see, we don't honor, we don't celebrate, that you don't live about. The liver! There's an example. The liver. You can catch touchdown passes all day. You have the best hands, most chocolate hands on the planet. I feel, by the way, I was going to call out Hayden in this moment. Just why I don't know if he's here. That's Hayden, as he started being kids. He's called Joseph and Chuck by a long shot. He goes, probably going to play Saturday. Who knows? Probably Sunday is on that. He's killing it. I've already got off at the Florida State, other places in the 10th grader, and the Joker's serving his kids. Just uh, so I was going to say, you can have hands like Caden Kirkland. I was going to actually call myself. He better come to church even if he's played in NFL college. When he's in town, he's got to come because I'm like, he's growing. And now my head like hits the bottom of his chest. You know, more things that I kind of get into his chest. It's like, you know, you can catch passes like Caden, like Chris. 
And I said, and, and I said, so what do you think I feel at that door doing what I was doing? And I said, and if that ever becomes what you don't want now, you don't want to be on your secondary, let me know not me on my own terms. And he said, I'm sorry, he apologized to me. And he said, hey, I've been getting pressure from the top. I'm sorry. I just appreciate all you do. My point is, I was saying I believe that. For 13 and a half years, I believe that. And because I believe that, God used that and used me in it. And it does, I didn't preach at Walmart. I wasn't able to preach sermons at Walmart. I just was able to be available to people. And so ministry happens when you decide that you got something worth giving and people worth investing in. It happens everywhere, anywhere. Some of them enough. If it only happens on Sunday, I question you giving it into people. I question your own work. And if you have a memory, you got to believe it that you got it. What if you believe it in the heart, so listen. You got the thought, but you got to believe you got it. You got to believe you got it. So I want to set the precedent right now. I just want to set the expectation. I am going, actually, before I do that, Moses made excuses. Moses had reasons not to. God said, Moses, I'm calling you. To go free my people. And he said, I can't. God said, I am. He said, I don't have. But God said, I am. I stutter. I don't want to believe you. I am. I can't. Finally, you can tell God how to change the conversation. He stopped saying, I am. And he said to Moses, What is in your hand? He stopped saying, Trust me. He said, Hey, you know what's in your hand, Moses? I put it there. What's in your hand, Mr. Church? Oh, several thousand years later, God is wanting you to answer the question and you answer it. What in your hand? I don't care how old you are. I don't care how damaged you are. I don't care how young you are. Young people, you don't have to spend 20 years making dumb decisions that you have to pay for in your 40s and 50s. You don't have to do it. What in your hand? You've got the thought. You got the thought that when you decide to go back to leave the desert and go back, you'll be your You'll have your red tree moment too. Your family will see your voice. You will actually have a marriage that doesn't end, it doesn't not, it doesn't end terribly because you got married too quickly and you want So I'm going to set the expectation. I'm going to bring the next year. We're going to get in the kitchen. We're going to talk about it. But you got to believe that you got something worth getting in the kitchen with. We hope today's message spoke to you. If you want to know more about Catalyst, you can go to IamCatalyst.net. And we'd love to have you in the room one Sunday. God is for you and so are we. We'll see you next time.